Okay, we are, uh, y'all, it's been, a, it's been a fun journey, but here we are. We are at our last week on the Holy Spirit, and this week we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, um, this is the last week on our Holy Spirit series, and then, just to give you a little bit of a roadmap, next week we have a guest preacher. Uh, a gentleman named DJ Carter is going to be here bringing us the Word of God. Um, and that's a bit of a transitional week, uh, sermon-wise. And then the, the following week, which will be August 27th, we'll start back into our series on Matthew. Um, we are in Matthew chapter 13 now. And so, by Lord willing, by Christmas, we'll hit the Passion and the Resurrection. So, um, Look forward to that. That's, that's going to be a fun, um, continued journey. So, chapter 4 of Ephesians, I was planning to preach on just verses 7 through 16, but I think it would be appropriate for us to actually read the whole chapter um, because of some things that happened this weekend. So, starting with verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ." Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What a glorious passage. Love this passage. It's it's just a picture of the unity of the body. It's a picture of unity in diversity. That's essentially what it is. Now, lots of things divide people. I don't think I need to recount any recent examples of this. We all watched it on our TVs. We saw people who are divided. And we do this as humans. We set up all kinds of walls, not just what we saw yesterday. There's all kinds. Race, economic status, gender, different opinions about government, family, church. 
socioeconomic, I already said that, socioeconomic status, the list goes on. But the question remains, what brings people together? Our passage, I think, this morning addresses that very question. And providentially, in the, in the grace of God, I was already preparing to talk about this passage before the events of this weekend. And it just so happens that this particular passage talks about, in the church, unity in diversity. See, you see, real unity is from the Spirit. The Spirit is who brings people together. And the way of real unity that the Spirit brings is in the meeting of real needs. And I'm going to get to that. And, there, and, and we re, we'll see this morning through our passage that real needs, real needs both in the body of Christ and outside the body in the larger community, real needs are met as the Spirit gives gifts. As the Spirit gives gifts. Now, I'll be honest with you. Even though the unity of the church and the unity of people is brought by the Spirit who gives gifts, there's still, it, the crazy thing is, spiritual gifts and ideas about spiritual gifts can actually divide people. You may have even seen that. Um, but, when the diversity in the gifts is working by the Spirit, there truly is unity. And, and, I'll, and I'll show that from our passage today. You know, our vision, our tagline here at Christ Central Church, does anybody know what it is? Little quiz? Quiz time? Quiz time is we still practice church? There's two out of three. Real people in real community meeting real needs. And this particular passage talks about that last part, meeting real needs. You see, that's what, if you think about uh, spiritual gifts, fundamentally, and this is our first, if you're a note taker, our first point is what, is what are spiritual gifts? That's number one. Number two, we're going to talk about what are the dangers that surround spiritual gifts. And then lastly, we're going to look at how do we correctly and beautifully use our spiritual gifts. So those are the three points today if you're a note taker. So first, what are spiritual gifts? We need to answer that question, right, as we get into this passage, as we, as we know, uh, hear about Paul's different lists of spiritual gifts. You may have seen them. We've got a list of spiritual gifts in Romans 12. We have lists of spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. We have lists of spiritual gifts in, right here in Ephesians 4 and then in 1 Peter 4. Those are the different places you'll find uh, the gifts of the Spirit that Paul uh, lists out for the church. Now, fundamentally, spiritual gifts are abilities that are given to Christians to meet needs. That's, I mean, that's fundamentally what they are. Now, there's more. I'm going to uh, kind of add to that. But at their base, that's what a spiritual gift is. And Human need is no strange topic. This is not some secret that I need to tell you guys about. We all have needs. We all see needs around us. Emotional, physical, psychological, spiritual needs. Um, And it's something to remind ourselves about. That the church is designed by God to meet human needs. Think about that for a minute. The church is designed by God to meet human needs through spiritual gifts. Now, I'm going to brag on Christy for just a minute. I know, you're probably like, oh, the, ser- past- the pastor's wife always gets this illustration in the sermon, and it's true. It ha- it's happened before. When I met Christy, we were at Starbucks, and one of the things that she had on was this James Avery cross ring. You ever seen one of these things? It's like a silver ring. It's a little bit like the ring I have on right now, and then it's got a cross that's like punched through it. 
Have you seen one of those? Well, I noticed that on her, and then I started asking her questions. This is our first meeting ever. I'm a barista. She's walking in with her friend. And I'm like, hi there. You know, I noticed her and her friend, obviously, because they're, because Christy's gorgeous. And I then proceeded to ask her a few questions, you know, small talk, mainly because her credit card wouldn't work in the machine. This was back, I don't know, remember back in the olden days of Starbucks, but it often, the little swiper machine just often didn't work, so it didn't work this day. And so I had to make small talk. And so I asked her, you know, what do you do? Where are you from? And I found out that she worked with students as a teacher, students who had special needs. And I immediately knew, ding, 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 this is someone, no matter what, this is someone who's got some compassion. And indeed, I found out over the next several years as I watched her in her classroom with those kids with special needs, indeed, a spiritual gift of hers was compassion. And by God's grace, myself and our family are continued recipients of that gift of compassion. When I am feeling grumpy and down from work, Christy is awesome at sharing compassion with me. When our kids are sick, when I am sick, her gift of compassion comes out. She, God has gifted her to meet needs. And that's just one simple, practical example of how God gives us gifts to meet the needs of other people. Now, if you read in verse 7, if you read in verse 7, where Jesus says this, or I'm sorry, Paul says this, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. But to each one of us. So the, the point here, Paul is making here, there are no, there's no one who is a believer in Jesus Christ who is a Christian that does not have spiritual gifts. You, if, if you are a believer, you have them. You may not know what they are yet, but you've got them. You may not have been able to explore it, but everyone has abilities to meet the needs of other humans around them. Now, the important point here, the the important thing for us to remember is that, and this is, I've said this before at at this church, but y'all, we need each other. I know that's like a, a churchy platitude that you hear from pulpits, but it's simply true. I need you. I need you in my life. You need me and other people in this church in your life. It's easy for us to think that, or I should say, it's easier for us to to believe that we kind of got it taken care of. Or that it'd be too embarrassing if I really told people about my needs. It's hard, y'all. It's hard to reveal what our real needs are. Because if you've been in a church before... You probably have had a moment with some people, I mean, it's just how it works, where you got instantly judged. You decided, okay, I'm going to, okay, finally, I'm going to start talking a little bit about my real problems. And then it was like, oh, ooh, yeah, whoa. (laughs) You know, we don't need that kind of thing brought up around here. Or it was like, yeah, you need to be shuffled off. You need to be shuffled off. I I have a a quick illustration of this. Did this thing get turned off? Or is it still going? You guys ever read this thing called Babylon B? Is it on? Yes, sweet. You guys ever read Babylon B? It's this. It's it's satire. Okay, it's it's comedy. So I want you to know that on the front end before I. I so this is what I laughed at this week. This is one of the ones you saw from this week. So this is 
Churches all, churches all are welcome sign updated with long list of exceptions. <laughs> so Hartford Avenue Baptist Church, all are welcome asterisk. Except sinners, tobacco chewers, tattooed people, homosexuals, Democrats, smokers, drinkers, dancers, etc. And the article goes on. It's, it's pretty funny. Again, this is satire. After receiving several complaints regarding the accuracy of the all are welcome message on the sign in front of the church, local pastor Rick Pinkerton finally tackled, tacked on an additional disclaimer listing multiple exceptions. Uh, the sign now reads, all are welcome except blah, 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 blah. And continue on the other side, hippies, hipsters, vegans, secular TV watchers, and Methodists. We just want to make sure that we were advertising what our church is all about accurately, Pastor Pinkerton said. Now the community will know exactly which groups of people are allowed to come hear God's gracious offer of redemption in the gospel and which ones we'd rather not get our hands dirty offering God's grace to. I'm really hoping the clarification leads to a much more homogeneous group of people gathering to worship the Lord this Sunday, he added. And the reason I like Babylon B um, is because it is scathing, it is satire, but it's painfully accurate sometimes, um, the way that he talks about the church. Now, I'm, I'm not saying this is true for our church, but I'm just saying it's something that all churches have to be careful about. And what I mean by that is, God has gifted us to meet real needs of real people. Okay, So that means that it's okay if there are people who come that have real needs. In fact, it's not just okay. It's something that we, should, that we want to encourage. Um, that you don't have to have your life cleaned up and then, okay, now probably would be a good time for you to start coming to church now that things are kind of, all the edges are smoothed over. No, not, not at all. Not at all. It's, it, the church is meant to be, and that's why this is so, I think, funny and scathing is that, oh, I'm going to go back to our power keynote real quick. Actually, I'll shut it so we can move. Okay, so that was that illustration. But, I mean, the sad irony is that we want to be a place um, where we admit our needs, where we're not afraid to tell what our true needs are, and where we, we allow other people to admit their own needs, too. Um, that's, it's such a beautiful thing when the church is actually being the way that God created the church to be. Uh, my prayer is that we, be, we would be exactly that. And that the Holy Spirit would give us the ability and the, 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 um, the courage to meet, meet true needs. And here's one other quick little side point. I don't know if you've ever read Psalm 103. It's this beautiful psalm where uh, the psalmist talks about, or David talks about the fact that we're each knit together very uniquely in our mother's womb. And the, the, the sort of implication of that for spiritual gifts is you, your, your background, your gender, your race, I mean, you name it, your, your, uh, the thoughts that you have in your head, how God has uniquely crafted you is to meet unique needs. It's not just generalities. You have been specifically crafted. There are people in this world that need exactly what you have to offer. Have you ever thought about that before? It's an amazing fact, and it's true. You are uniquely crafted to meet specific needs, and this is why we all have different spiritual gifts. Okay, so last point about spiritual gifts. The last point on what are spiritual gifts. Number one, we just talked about it. They are abilities that, that Jesus gives through the Spirit to meet needs. Also, um, every single one of us has spiritual gifts given by the Spirit. 
um, if, if we're a believer. And then lastly, spiritual gifts are meant to produce Christ-likeness. You see this in verse 13. Um, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then again in, in verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. They are, spiritual gifts are meant to produce Christ-likeness. That's the goal. That's the end. Another word for it is fruit. And I'm not going to spend a long time on it right now because we're going to hit this point again as we move on, as we talk a little bit about fruit, because it can be dangerous. But Christ's likeness, read about Christ. I mean, here's a a way somebody described Jesus. You read about Jesus, but who is he? What is he? Despite being absolutely approachable to the weakest and most broken people, he's completely fearless before the proud and corrupt. Despite being profoundly human and becoming weary and lonely and moved to joy and love and anger, we never see him moody. We never see him inconsistent. He is tender without being weak, strong without being harsh, humble without the slightest lack of confidence. He has conviction without intolerance, enthusiasm without fanaticism, holiness without Phariseeism, passion without prejudice. This man alone never made a false step, never struck a jarring note. This is life at its highest. This is life at its highest. Life abundantly. That is what we are pushing one another towards through our spiritual gifts, through the meeting of needs. We're pushing one another towards that kind of life, the life of Christ. Now, um, importantly, we have to also talk about, and this is a bit of a harder subject, the dangers around spiritual gifts. You may have already experienced them yourself, but there are particular dangers that, that... occur around spiritual gifts. The first is actually has to do with church size. And this is really important for us and the particular size that we're at. In a large church, um, there's a danger around spiritual gifts in that um, it's easy to sort of slink in the back door and, you know, kind of exit through the side door and no one notice that you're there. Or even if somebody notices that you're there, um, it might, in a large church, is usually a large staff, which means the staff is there to serve you as the person who's coming to the church. Thus, it's very easy to be a part of the community, be a part of the body, and never engage your gifts. Okay, that's a danger in a large church. Now, don't hear that the wrong way. It's not, that's not a polemic against large churches. I mean, I think in a large church, you find that there's a ton of resources that can be deployed when somebody has a really cool ministry idea. So there's many really cool things. Now, the dangers in a small church are completely different. The dangers in a small church are this, and you may have already felt them here at Christ Central Church, and I am working my, I'm hard to prevent this from happening. And that is you can be sometimes placed in positions where you are totally using the wrong gifts. (laughs) That's the danger of a small church, where it's just like, y'all, we have a need for someone to like set up the chairs, or we have a need for someone to like clean the parking lot. And it's like your best, your gifting is one-on-one counseling with another person, and you're scrubbing the parking lot. Right, And what ha- can happen, and we have to be so careful of this in our own church, is that it leads to burnout. Because you can only do t- uh, service for so long where your gifts don't match up with what the type of service is. So here's my um, plea to us at Christ Central Church. Y'all, tell me, tell me, if you're feeling burned out, if you're feeling like you're just being used 
but you haven't actually been allowed to flourish, to use your own spiritual gifts, please let me know. Please let me know. We don't want to be a place where it's just like, too bad, we got so much to do, and we don't have enough people to do it, just get your buns over there and do it. I mean, we can, if we're, if we're honest with one another, and if we're honest with me at this point, and I'm kind of the, the, the main point, the main uh, kind of nexus, please, do not hesitate to let me know if you feel like you are being overworked or burned out. Also, small side note. Now, small side note, and it's, a, it's actually a big side note. How do you know what your gifts are? A lot of people ask this question. How do I know what my spiritual gifts are? If, you're, if you like to take tests, all you've got to do is Google spiritual gifts tests, and you can find as many as you want. Knock yourself out. I mean, I just don't, I'm not personally, I don't love test taking and figuring out all the numbers. Um, so there's another way too. If you're not big time into tests, try out a bunch of different ministries. Like actually serve in a whole bunch of different ways. Like try coming early and helping do coffee. Come set up chairs with Jeff. I mean, he would love some help setting up chairs. You know, come, serve the poor downtown at a soup kitchen. You know, uh, you know, come and find someone else in the church and establish a relationship and do some counseling with one another. Like, just try it. And you'd be surprised. You'll find out fairly quickly, like, whoa, that, whoa, I did not, I hated that. And you know what? I can kind of see, I'm, I'm warm into this. This might be a good area. It's, Honestly, it's not that complicated. Um, look for needs. There's a lot of them, um, even within this body, and start meeting them. And just see where you find that you fly. Where do you feel like you flourish? Where do you feel like you are uh, a, a hand that fits perfectly in a glove? So there you go. Um, there's, there's, there's a couple of different ways to find out what your spiritual gifts are, though there are more. Okay, another thing that we need to talk about a danger around spiritual gifts, is this idea that, y'all, let's call a spade a spade. It's chaotic. Spiritual gifts can be a little chaotic. And I don't mean during a church service. I don't mean like speaking in tongues necessarily, because there's lots of other gifts um, that are not associated with that. It's just, there are going to be people in our church, already are, I mean, I'm one of them, okay, that are going to say, hey, you know what, our real, the real need here is that we need to be caring for that neighborhood right there. Absolutely. <laughs> and then someone else is going to say, you know what we really need here? We need to be caring for the neighborhood that direction. Which, uh, I don't know if y'all know where we are with Burley, but we're like, a, we're like a little microcosm at Burley of Charlottesville. Like, it is literally like white, black. We're right in the middle. Right in the center. So, there's going to be, again, there's going to be voices on either side. And I'm not just talking about race stuff, but there's going to be people who are going to say, we really need the best, you know, children's ministry in the world. And oftentimes, someone who identifies a particular need in a church, that's going to be their gifting. <laughs> so, so there's going to be some conflict. And I'm here to say conflict is okay. A little chaos is okay. The last thing that we want is top-down um, forcing of these are the needs we're going to meet at church and these are the only needs we're going to meet as a church. And that's, and get on board. We don't want that. We, I want there to bubble up and trickle up like grass, grow up like grass from y'all. Here are the needs I see around us. Here are the needs I see in this church. How might we get something going? 
that, that's a beautiful thing. That kind of chaos is a beautiful thing. And in our passage, we have a way to, to sort of stem some of the chaos. And we see that with verses like, um, well, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Okay? There are going to be times uh, in our church where someone gets in like a leadership position or someone gets ahead of something and someone else gets offended because they're the head of the thing and they made a directive and started a new ministry or whatever it is. But if we believe the Bible, then we also believe that Christ is the one who identifies who needs to do what. He's the one who gives the Spirit, who gives the gifts, right? And all that means is there's humility that comes with it. It's not jockeying for power positions. It's not that. When we finally do have some elders and deacons at our church um, in the next who knows how long, year or two, um, we're going to identify them as a congregation and not, we're not going to like, it's not going to be like, hey, let's, let's all get over here and vote and we're going to vote for that person over there. All we're going to say as a congregation is, you know what? We have seen real love, humility, and character in this person and we think they should be in leadership. We're identifying what Christ has already done in someone's life. That's what spiritual gifts are. Because you saw it here, right? He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. These things are going to surface as we're together with one another. Um, and I, would, I really would love for y'all to, to talk to me. Talk to me about, about what you see as some of the needs here. I am all ears. Um, and we can do, it's all about doing it together with one another. Okay, final point. Um, the way the dangers are tackled... Uh, the dangers of spiritual gifts and how they're given out, the, and also the way that spiritual gifts work where there's a diversity of gifts and there's a unity of the body. Paul talks about it. Let's read for a second, one, more, one last time. Um, verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Okay, then verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Verse 16. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in? (laughs) As each part does its work. (laughs) I think the point's been made. Love. And we especially see this in Paul's recounting of the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 14. Does anybody know uh, those gifting, where Paul's talking about those giftings in verses chapters 12 and 14 of 1 Corinthians? Does anybody know what chapter 13 is all about? You ever heard it at a wedding? Love. It's all about love. It's got to be anchored in love. That is, they, the spiritual gifts, that's the first and foremost principle for the use of spiritual gifts and for the meeting of needs within the church. Love. Love. Love covers it all. Love covers it all. But we have to understand, where does the source, where does the power of that love come from? And it comes from the most unusual part of this passage today. And you haven't heard me mention it yet, so here we go. Does anybody have any clue what verses 8 and 9 are talking about? I did not, (laughs) coming into this passage. I'm usually just sort of, or 10, I should say, 8, 9, and 10. I usually just kind of skip through it. I'm like, uh, yeah, 
this is why it says, when he ascended on high, left captives in his train, and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 11. I'm usually like, okay, skip that. Verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, blah, blah, blah. Well, what we've got here in uh, verses 8, 9, and 10 is the motivation for love. This is it. And it has to do with conflict. Conflict is not new. Now, I don't need to tell you that. Conflict is not new, and when a king was ruling over a particular city, a particular area, maybe somewhere of something along the size of Charlottesville, there would often be people from the outside who would want to come into that particular city and attack that city and gain people as, put people in captivity. This is how it worked in the ancient world, right? And so what would happen was the king would gather up all the mighty army men of his city and they would go out of the gates and they would meet the invading army and they would attack them. And hopefully they would win. And if they did win, they would then lead the captives back into the city in a train And then, after that, the king would ascend back to his throne, right? Because he had defeated the attackers who were coming in. And he would give gifts. And what that means is he would share the spoils of all of the the treasures that he had and the things that he had and the captives that he had just captured by winning this against these attackers who had come in to try to take over the city. Okay? So, in Psalm chapter 68 we read about the fact that David does this. King David does this. He goes and he attacks those who were fighting against Israel and he brings the ark back, the Philistines who had the ark at the time. He brings the ark back and then he ascends back onto the throne or he ascends to Jerusalem, puts the ark back in its place and then he gives gifts. But of course, we're reading this just like Paul the Apostle was writing this. We're reading it Christologically. Christologically. The ultimate king, Jesus, has, goes out. We see, that's what it means by he descended, right? You read about that in verse, um, where is it? Uh, verse 9. He descended and lowered. Jesus comes down off his throne, takes on human flesh for us he, in humility. We read about that in Philippians chapter 2. In humility. Then he goes out and he fights the battle against Satan, sin, and death. But here's what's interesting. Unlike other kings who would risk their life, unlike David, who against the Philistines risked his life, this particular king gives his life. Actually sacrifices himself as the gift. And then you read in the passage, he comes, he ascends, and he gives out those gifts, uh, and now he reigns over as God has put him on his throne. The point here, the point here is this. It's impossible to use your own gifts rightly and to even care about using your gifts rightly. It's impossible for us to have unity as a church in using our gifts if the love of Christ has not worked itself way down deep. This is the starting point. We have to understand the king has gone to battle for us. The king has ascended again on high for us. The king has sacrificed his own son for us. Or we could even say it another way, his own life for us. For you. For me. 
When that begins to work its way all the way into the very deep recesses of our heart, that is when love begins to pour out. Because we truly, finally understand what was given to us, what was done for us, the sacrifice that was made for us. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture that Paul gives us of what Christ has done for us to give us gifts and how we might use them rightly. So my prayer for us is that we would be unified by love as we use our gifts, our diversity of gifts to meet the needs of this community. And y'all, we're going to find out stuff that's going to blow our mind. There are needs in here that people haven't said that we're going to be like, whoa, I had no idea. And we're going to love. We're going to love because that's what Christ has done for each of us. Let's pray. Lord God, this, this is an awesome passage about how you bring us together. About how you bring people together. Not just us in this room, Lord, but this is how you bring people together. People who have totally different opinions, totally different viewpoints, totally different uh, experiences in life, Lord, and yet, by your Spirit, you unify. You unify because as we engage those people, they meet our needs and we meet their needs. Lord, it's not just a one-way street. We don't just walk in as the great Savior who comes and brings in good things, Lord, but we receive. Every person that we serve, Lord, we receive from them. Lord, I pray that you would give us that level of humility. Lord, that we would both meet the needs of others, but allow our needs to be met by others, Lord, as we engage people in this community here and in the, in the community at large, Lord, here in Charlottesville. Thank you for our being able to gather here together, Lord, on this day when hearts are heavy. My heart's heavy. Lord, thank you that we're reminded again of, of hope, of real hope, and of real, of real help in this journey. Lord, may our lives intertwine with one another. May we learn how to use our gifts with each other. Thank you that you've given us your spirit and pour out your spirit on us even this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.